One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Hello and welcome to Freaky Friday, yeah. the podcast uh, <laughs> feed on podcasts like it's 1999 where we talk about freaks and geeks True. Um, with our guests. Wait, really? What? You skipped something. Oh, we're, we're here from a Corvette. No, no. We're here from the appliance section of a department uh, yes, store, yeah. um, hugging it out. Our guest, <laughs> Emmy That's Willis. Weird. Uh, Emma Willis is a television writer. She, she writes is. on space, uh, uh, <laughs> space fight, space, space fight, uh, Star space Trek stuff. Lower Decks on yes. uh, CBS All Access. Yes, yes, and uh, she's a big fan of Freaks and Geeks. I pre- presume I am, and a person who might fell on Twitter. That's kind what of. I mean. I guess we technically met before that, but I don't have any recollection of that. I know I met you twice before really? Twitter. And she also This had, is why I followed you on Twitter oh. was because I met you in you're, person. You're killing it today. Um, she also had my favorite entry into this office that we've ever had. That was fantastic. Right before, <laughs> and I think the I, th- I don't know which one's going to be first. So, you know, it might Doesn't be a little matter. spoiler for the uh, for the for the the main feed. Uh, we had Jeff Greenstein on, uh, writer, director, producer, television person, uh, Tufts alum. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, it's a small school outside of Boston, not Harvard. <laughs> Um, mascot, mascots an elephant, yet you're not called the elephants. You're called the jumbos. We are called the jumbos, yep. which is a elephant, a specific elephant uh-huh. that, um, PT Barnum gave to the university. Yeah. He gave the dead carcass of jumbo, the elephant jumbo. to the university after jumbo <laughs> saved a tiny elephant, a baby elephant, I guess we would say, yeah. uh, from a train track and, uh, an oncoming train. So and it jumbo, got hit by the train. Jumbo got hit by the train and then his body was donated to the campus. What yeah. a mascot. It also then the carcass burned up in a building fire and they put the ashes in a peanut butter jar. This is a <laughs> institute of higher learning. One of the best universities in the country. Tufts University. I'm so where is joking. the peanut butter jar? It's in oh. some athletic department. Every year you have to eat a little farther. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's gone. So, so anyway, yes, please right, explain, so, uh, explain the, uh, the moment that you loved. So Emmy walks in and Jeff is leaving because we, you know, we, we stack these podcasts and she goes, and he said, uh, he introduces himself as Jeff. She goes, of course, Greenberg. He goes, no, no, Greenstein. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yes, of course. You, uh, I went to Tufts and I believe, uh, now I'm extrapolating a little, like mm-hmm. you emailed him after Tufts. He came to talk. I did. Yeah, he, he was uh, – Tufts does not have a film program, uh, mm-hmm. at least not when I was going there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff and his writing partner at the time, they – Jeff Strauss. Yes. Uh, they are, you know, one of the handful of people out here in Los Angeles. So when I moved out here, I emailed all of them. And uh, Jeff got back to me and uh, – God, what is his name? Uh, Eric Tannenbaum, who was the president of TriStar Columbia. Did he, sure. did he get back he to you too? He also got back to me. 
It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Pretty yeah. I appreciate when people like you know yeah. When, yeah. when you're at that you know sending emails out to people hoping that they. I, I remember as an assistant periodically uh, we'd have a screening or we'd have somebody come in and talk to the assistants or whatever. And, and I would always try to, and not in like a shitty brown nosy way, but there was a couple people that I was like, I'm going to reach out to this person. It's for instance, when they showed us the the pilot for girls, I don't know, probably six, eight months before mm-hmm. it went to series. And I thought it was great. So I emailed Lena Dunham and said how much I, I really liked it. And she emailed you back. Like, it's just nice when people don't ignore it's emails nice from when people. people are nice. Isn't it nice when people are nice? That being said, had she had not emailed you back or had Jeff had not emailed you back, yeah. your lives would have been okay, which Maybe. is, my, which is my, my way of saying <laughs> it's worth taking these shots. Uh-huh. It's like the, always take the shot, take, shoot the yeah. shot yeah. once, yeah. but shoot the shot. Yeah. Um, and if they don't email back, they don't email back. You know, I can, you can hold grudges forever. I can tell you all the people that I emailed or called it hundred percent. That's an email. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. email back? Yeah, yeah. You know, prominent writers in town. Um, I'm not going to say who their names are. <laughs> I'll tweet him out later, but um, oh, but yeah, it's yeah. worth shooting the shots, and occasionally, or even more than occasionally, you have a Lena Dunham or a Jeff Greenstein who actually does it. Yeah, it's great. Um, it was a great moment because it was he was he was floored. He was super happy. Yeah, it was just a nice, uh, you know. He was also very happy that he did respond to my yes. email. Yes. <laughs> he was like, oh, God, did I not <laughs> yeah, respond to your email? Yeah. So that being said, has Paul Fee gotten back to us about being on this podcast? We have an email, Paul oh. Fee. <laughs> <laughs> Get on we got to shoot the shot. Got to shoot the shot. Um, so this week we are doing episode 112, or episode 12, since there mm-hmm. were no twos, um, The Garage Door. Uh, synopsis, uh, Sam and Bill both admire Neil's father, Sam McMurray, until Sam... Uh, played by the actor Sam McMurray, until Sam accidentally sees Mr. Schreiber hugging a strange woman. Fearing that Mr. Schreiber might be cheating on Mrs. Schreiber, Sam tells Bill and then Neil. Soon after, Neil finds an unfamiliar garage door remote in his father's car. The three friends start hunting around the neighborhood on their bicycles, searching for the garage door the remote control belongs to. Meanwhile, Ken reveals his first crush to be on a girl named Amy, who plays the tuba in McKinley's marching band. The freaks, along with Amy, go to the local laser dome to see a Pink Floyd laser show, but mistakenly arrive on Southern Rock Night. Mm -hmm. The Garage Door aired on March 13th, 2000. It was written by Gabe Sachs, Jeff Judah, and Patty Lynn, and directed by Brian Gordon. Um, this was one of my favorite episodes. For Excellent sure. episode. It's fantastic. It's, it is, uh, it's just firing in all cylinders. And I, I mentioned this to Emmy before we got on mic, but, uh, you're seeing something now, an inflection point in the series where, um, they're starting to look down their bench and they're starting to say, like, we haven't really dug into Neil and we haven't really dug into Ken and let's, let's start doing that stuff. And it's really rewarding. Uh, the bummer, of course, is that this is the second to last episode that ever aired of this television show. So you're sort of seeing a moment when they're starting to explain, expand their universe. Um, and it's unfortunate because we'd have, we don't really get to see the, the fruit that that bears. We obviously there's a handful more episodes and we do technically get to see it, but it just makes me think about what could have been. Um, when you see episodes like this and you're like, like Neil's a great character and Sam Levine fucking kills it. Yes, he does. It's just that stuff is really, really good. And seeing Sam wrestle with the moral conundrum of do I tell, do I not tell? Um, knowing that he's witnessed something illicit, notice it's that scene is masterfully done. Um, the other thing that really struck me about this episode was the nuance of the father's character. It would, it's so easy to make him a straight up villain. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Just make him the asshole dad that cheated on the mom. But that scene in the dentist chair where they actually give him a handful of lines where he gets to become a human being and say like you, and say things to a kid that she doesn't fully comprehend what he's sort of unloading on him, but, but it's really, it's really interesting stuff. And, and yeah, I just, I was really blown away by this episode. So Emmy. Yes. Uh, what, when did you see Freaks and Geeks for the first time and why does Freaks and Geeks, like, why has it stayed with you? I think I, I must've seen it, uh, 
probably the summer of 2004, uh, right after the DVDs were released. Right, right, right. Um, I grew up in Abu Dhabi, and so we didn't have a ton of TV there. Really? You in Abu Dhabi? I did, yeah, um, from 96 until 2005. And so uh, we didn't have a ton of American television. I'm assuming these movies you didn't see in Abu oh, Dhabi. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, they were heavily edited. Um, there sure. was no evolution in our X-Men. There was no, you know, my... My Little Mermaid VHS cover. She's wearing a turtleneck uh, instead of. <laughs> I hope you still top. have it. I I wonder if I do. I'm not oh, sure. That'd be great. But um. So, anyways, uh, can you face right now? He is. It's. <laughs> it's like his head just cracked open. <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like I've been given a treasure chest. Oh my god! Yeah. And I want to open it up. And I just want to ask you about what it was like growing up in Abu Dhabi. I mean, I can tell you, my especially parents- in 1999, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. My 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 dad does business there and uh oh. and so they literally got back from there like Two weeks ago. It's probably oh. a very different city than the one I grew up in so, because it was constantly under construction and they were improving things and tearing things down and rebuilding them. But I mean, we had one movie theater when I was in middle school. So like 1999, uh, that would play movies that were six months old because they had to go through the censorship process. Mm-hmm. And so you would get things that were, you know, so not like my version of Titanic. When I remember Titanic, I remember a very chaste movie. Yeah, there was no sex in it. Didn't draw like one of his French girls. No, no, I did not understand that reference when I went to college. So, all right. So Abu Dhabi is is one of the Emirates. Yes. Um, for the those capital, who the capital Emirate and the capital city, capital of Emirate of, of UAE. Um, and how did you? Wind up there if you can say. I can. I, I know you you're could. giving a look of like, are your parents spies or, or Blackwater or what? They are well, not. They are right. teachers. Um, <laughs> they do teach some of the people who are former Blackwater folks. I bet. So, yeah. uh, no, my, my parents are international school teachers mm-hmm. and they've taught all over the world wow. and just happened to end up in Abu Dhabi for most of my life, uh, middle school through high school. Mm-hmm. And, wow. Yeah. And you went, so in, I assume, 05, you came back to college yes. at Tufts? Yeah, went to Tufts to study international relations to become a diplomat. And then Battlestar Galactica was on TV. And I was like, and the rest is history. I like space. <laughs> so that's so that's what's going on. Sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, no, that's awesome. the yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was it like coming now you're American. You were yes. born in. Yes, I was actually. I was born in Malaysia. Right, of course. But- <laughs> Very near. Two, that was going to be Kenny's first guess. <laughs> to to American parents. Yes, yes exactly. So you, so you were born abroad to American parents. So you, did you, you ever live? You did you ever there, live yeah. in America before? No. Oh, so you all right? So you never lived in America. So no. you never. We would really, spend wow. you know a, a couple weeks with my grandma and my uncle and aunts uh, on the East Coast and. So you never really engaged with American pop culture no. in any real way. We until- would get VHS tapes, okay. and then you know, once DVDs became a thing, and especially deep like box sets of yeah. you know films and uh, TV shows, that was such a treasure chest. Like growing up, of suddenly you know someone would be like, "Here's the OC, the first two seasons," and you were like, "Oh my god, now I have something to watch." Because otherwise, it was you have to read very books. limited. I mean, I did read a lot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Imagine but, shit would have been a nightmare yeah. for me. But uh, there Kenny was. Kenny hates books. <laughs> I burn them. <laughs> I don't know if they had this in Canada, but uh-huh. Fry's Electronics. Yeah, yeah. Do you know well, that? no, but I know what it is. Okay, yeah. I knew that growing up because my dad loved. Like my dad's a computer guy, and so we would we would make these pilgrimage to uh, Fry's Electronics, the one I think in Burbank, uh-huh. and uh, they would have DVDs and box sets of TV shows, and I remember. Walking down the aisle in, you know, 2004, the summer of 2004, before I was going into my senior year of high school and finding this DVD set and being like, I have never heard of this show. Oh, wow. It looks extraordinary. So I you had no, you just picked it up and just yeah. apropos of nothing. Yeah. Wow. Just looking at the cover being like, oh, this looks cool. And I mean, oh, like, wow. I need entertainment, please. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, but that's I'll just like, it, it's, yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm assuming you're you're exposed to some American pop culture, yes. truncated, edited versions of it to some extent. But, exactly. but you know, obviously, you, like Freaks and Geeks is such a lightning bolt, even if you have been exposed to everything. Mm-hmm. But then to to sort of have this land in your lap at that time um, must incredibly. be really formative. Oh right? my gosh! Yeah. Also, Freaks and Geeks, and, uh, you know, you know this now, but it would have been impossible to know then. Like, 
builds on and also subverts all the expectations yeah. of the tropes of high school. And yeah, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also, I think my parents, you know, my dad is, uh, you know, really into sci-fi books and my mom is a huge Star Trek nerd. So we got a little bit of like some pop culture through that, but uh, neither of them are music people and particularly the music of the 80s when they were overseas. Like the 80s and the 70s, my parents are like, Queen was a thing. Like they really <laughs> John was a thing. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they um they music is not something that they kind of knew. So some of these like music uh the, the classical hits of Freaks and Geeks just go right, right. by. I'm like, oh that's but that's you might have thought song. like that's still a good song. Like oh, I'm sure you didn't think yes. any of it was bad, but it doesn't have the, the it doesn't have like factor. the cultural yeah, yeah, yeah. impact for me. And certainly sure. like any of the you know genre tropes, like I didn't see Scream until I don't know, I was like twenty eight. Like I didn't see a lot of like typical high school sure. movies. Clueless must have been wonderful. Oh, uh, college probably. Right, must yeah. have been wonderful. You, 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 it was like it was like you, uh, an all you can eat buffet. Yeah, it's like a kid in a candy store. You I've seen every like, I've seen every movie ever made now. I don't. I, I am I am still <laughs> catching up. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're watching now. We're watching Friday Night Dumps. I just to, I watch to Netflix Kenny movies now because I have no more movies. Oh yeah. boy. No. Um, so okay, so. All of this, knowing all of this context, you watch this show and what sort of, what really hits you at first? What is it that sort of, that you loved about it? I think, From I From your mean, own vantage point. Yeah, I, I feel like um, my my younger brother and I, it's about the same age difference between Lindsay and Sam. Okay. And so I think that relationship. Uh, is he younger? He is younger, yeah. And I think that relationship, uh, just seeing them navigate through their own worlds, through their own like weird mm-hmm. eccentricities and just like the family dinners. And I love the parents so much. They are adorable. But even the moment of Sam and his mom going microwave shopping, mm-hmm. I feel like that was how I spent most of my Saturdays yeah. was <laughs> going to the grocery store with my mom and my brother. Um, I, you know, I, I look back at my time in Abu Dhabi and I'm like, oh yeah, I went to the grocery store a lot. That was my childhood. Um, so <laughs> just like buying microwaves. Sure. Um, but, uh, so I think that relationship is the thing that's always struck me. Um, and the moment in this episode when Sam and Lindsay are talking about their own father and yeah. could he potentially ever do this? Yeah. That's the best. It's so sweet. <laughs> he walks in in his underwear and they just start laughing. Yeah. And it goes and on for so long. Yeah. Yes. yeah underwear solidarity. And, <laughs> and that face he has. <laughs> but there's also something like he, he really wants to be in on the joke. Yes. Yeah. And it makes him sad that he's not. And then it kind of makes him a little prickly. It's just, there's a whole like roller coaster in the, in the 30 seconds that exists there. It's great. It's yeah. great stuff. It nails this thing that like, uh, this, I, this, this notion that I've heard about siblings. I have one. <laughs> They're the only people who know what it's like to be raised by your parents. Yeah. Right. You know, which is like the, it's like the, one of the most fundamental relationships in your life, obviously. Um, <laughs> tell me more. So I've heard, and, <laughs> but, but, but. It's a, it is kind of an amazing thing to be able to share that with anybody. And that mo- they don't do it that much in this series, to be That's honest. True. But that moment really speaks to that, yeah. that idea yeah. of, I, I don't even need to tell you why I'm laughing at dad. It's just self-evident yeah. if you were raised by dad. It's also just, I mean, the, the Lindsay, the Lindsay Sam relationship is, is fantastic throughout the whole series because it really kind of, they're not that dissimilar. Um, she's obviously older than him, but you know, she sees herself in him and he sees himself in her to a certain degree. Um, they're just, again, I, I know I probably say this in every episode, but the specificity of their relationship yeah. just feels very, very real and very lived in. Um, and that moment, they also don't totally laugh together so much. It's usually at their parents' expense yes. when they have a combined laugh totally. together. Yeah. Um, which again speaks to sort of that idea of like knowing your parents well enough or having conversations with your sibling outside of your parents about what your all that stuff is really great. Yeah. It's really it's 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 um so I'm going to read a little bit of a review from uh, Emily Vanderwerf in the AV Club because uh, I think she really kind of hones in on a lot of the stuff that I loved about the episode. Uh, the Garage Door is one of my favorite episodes of the series precisely because it takes a character who is primarily used for comic relief so far in Neil and gives him a heart-rendering story about what happens when you figure out that your parents are fallible, normal human beings like anybody else. Uh, what I come back to more than anything, though, is the scene where Dr. Schreiber tries to explain to Sam why he did what he did. 
why a seemingly happily married man would cheat on his wife with a younger, prettier woman. The episode focuses so firmly on how the geeks react to the news, as it should, that it's a wonder it makes time for Dr. Schreiber's explanation at all. But there it is, hokey and cliched and ham-fisted and delivered entirely at a person who's not yet ready to understand it and who probably won't for a couple decades. <laughs> how do you tell someone at the edge of adulthood uh, that? How do you tell them just how much disappointment there is? How much regret? How do you tell them that there are these things that start to pile up in the corner of your mind until they're always, until they're always there? How do you tell them this will happen to them too someday? How do you make yourself feel better for the terrible things you've done when all your best answers are ghosts? You can't, but you try and you fail and you know that when you're that age, they might look back and they might realize that they've known what you were talking about all along. Like, I think that it's, Damn, Emily, that's dark. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's very sympathetic to... Well, that's, that's, that's Dr. Shrine. That's on, that's Sam on, and Lindsay's dad is not going around cheating. That's unlike so, her. I don't think I don't think she's making excuses for the father here. I think what she's, she's tapping into... Excuses for humanity. Well, for humanity's... <laughs> for, for the failings of adult I, men. I, I guess what... I appreciate about this review and what I appreciate about the episode really is sort of what I said earlier, a little bit of they could have painted this man as a, as a very easy villain and just made the episode about how Neil's dad's a dick. But instead, Neil's dad is actually cool to the geeks. They look at him and they think he's dope. He's not, but they think he is. And then they have this horrible revelation that he's flawed and that he's a real person that he makes mistakes. And I, I appreciated that. Now a little bit of a rabbit hole here goes down a dark terrain of just, you know, all the stuff that that is sort of in that scene subtextually perhaps, but uh, most shows wouldn't have that scene is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Most shows wouldn't have the dentist office. This scene. is my point. Agree yes. with you. And that's, I think what Emily's honing in on here too, which is they're tapping into something by even, even doing that scene that speaks to sort of the 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 ghosts or shadows or things that are sort of in this man's you know consciousness to a certain degree. Well, as you know, <laughs> we've never heard anyone on the podcast more than Emily Vanderwerf. Sure, our favorite person, our favorite guest. So, <laughs> so much, I say this with much respect. <laughs> that's not what the episode's about. The episode is about the man who doesn't do that. The episode is about is about the dad. What's the dad's name? Uh, I mean, uh, Flaherty? Yeah, what's Joe Flaherty's dad? Mr. Weir. Mr. Weir. Mr. Weir, of course. The episode is about Mr. Weir. That's why Sam cries and melts as he falls into his arms. Yeah. The episode is not about the universality of what Mr. Schreiber is, Mr. Schreiber is doing. It's about how wrong he is for doing that to his family and his wife. And the fact that he has to entrap and kidnap Sam in order to spit his... His life situation at him just speaks to what a small, petty, miserable man he is and what a, what a strong man, Mr. Weir, who has a first name. He does have a first name. Does uh, he? He does. does well, he? I'll, I'll find it. So that's, so I, I don't. Can I, I just, can I just say something to that, to that point? Cause I think you're absolutely right. Say whatever you want, man. It's your podcast. <laughs> uh, it's, it's our podcast. Um, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> uh, I just to, to defend Emily. That's a portion of the review that I honed in on. Okay. The review does not – I don't think the review is saying that – this is not the thesis of the review. I pulled out a portion of it because I felt like I appreciated that part of this episode. Mm-hmm. And also, I didn't want to read the entire review to our listeners because, you know. The, the, so, But the moment to me that that mm-hmm. that brings that, that – Harold ha- Weir. Harold, yes. Oh, that's a great name. Harold Weir. <laughs> <laughs> The moment, the moment that kind of puts this, you know, kind of not head and shoulders, but maybe, you know, forehead and, and hair above the rest. Sure. I do think this is the finest episode of the series thus far is the hug. Is Sam breaking down and crying in his dad's arms? Oh, it's like fantastic. that's just, that's. Yeah. That's, After he that's, gives him the Atari. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the Atari. No, I know. But, you know, he's such a good kid. He yeah, is. he's a good kid. And I love that Harold doesn't know what to do with it. He's yeah. like, yeah, we can play the fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't All right. We've yeah. been talking but a lot. What's like, up, Emmy? It's like what Bill said. Uh, there's many different types of hugs. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He did say that. He did. He and, did. Uh, you know, this was a, a hug of, oh, yeah. thank God you are not like my friend's dad. And what does that mean? And yeah. I think there's such a beautiful comparison. <laughs> 
I just I'm thinking about Bill saying there's lots of different types there's of hugs. Of, there's and that, of that, that and then in that scene when he when he makes Sam hug him, he's like, okay, okay, I get it, I get, I get it. it. I get <laughs> it. Um, but but yeah, there's like this beautiful comparison between the Weirs and the Schweibers, like not just with the dads, but I mean, there's this very subtle thing happening with the moms that I absolutely love. This that idea scenes of, of them together. Yeah, yeah, the the one scene of um when she picks of, him up. When Neil's mom is picking him up in the tennis outfit, and I'm kind of like, that seems late at night. What were you doing tennis? Uh, do you have a fancy tennis partner? Let's get into that. Um, but uh, and then the moment of you know his mom, uh, Sam's mom, going around, and how she lights up when this man is talking about the microwave to her, and how quickly she'll be able to get dinners, and maybe she'll be able to go play a tennis game. Like there's this beautiful comparison between the families, which I. I remember being a part of my high school and middle school experience of like when you went over to other kids' house and you saw how their parents treated them. And, you know, I had this one this one friend in uh, elementary school whose dad yelled at me because I was sitting in his chair. And I was like, oh, my Fuck dad has never yelled worst. at me about sitting in a special yeah. chair. Um, so, so, yeah. Think, by someone else's parents is a nightmare. It's, it's, it's a awkward. real nightmare. It's as bad yeah. as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's worse is when your parents' friends yell at your friend in front of you. Your parents. No, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I said that wrong. Your, yeah, your friend's, your friend's parents, parents. yell at your friend. Yell at your friend. Well, you're, you're more you're pathetic there. than me. <laughs> I, I, I just remember one time being yelled at by a friend's parents. And I remember it to this day. It's yeah. an awful it feeling. It fucks you up. It's so sad. It's sad and it's, it's, yeah, no, you really it's truly, awful. You really, truly feel like a bad kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like when your parents yell at you, you're like, well, we, we got this relationship. We got a thing. We got this thing. That's how this works. <laughs> well, this is part of this. Like, yes, I did something wrong and you have to yell at me. But like, that's, that's our give and take. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. when Sharon Kolnick yelled at me, I was just like, what? What? You can't do. That. We don't. We don't have this. It must have been terrible. <laughs> That's amazing. I had to yell at. I had to yell at. Oh one, shit! My, one of your friends. One of your kids' friends. Friends. So and you did you it to them. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Life. This is what happened. This is what happened. Oh, no. I don't know if people who know the podcast know this. I have so many kids. <laughs> I have, got a lot of kids. I have four kids. Four kids. So I have twins who are seven, and I have a two-year-old. And I'm, my twins had their twin friends over. So oh. same age, boy, girl, boy, girl. And I heard that my two-year-old had been pushed. And I go into the room and I go, you can't push Cole. Who pushed Cole? And they're like, it was him. And it was the, one of the friends. And I felt like at that moment, I had to keep it up. Yeah. Because I had to be serious about well, it. Also, if he pushed a yeah, two-year-old. But that's not how I would have handled it if I saw it. If I uh, saw it happen, I would have just right. pulled Cole aside and I would have been very nice about it. But I assumed that like one of my kids pushed him because he was pushing someone else's two-year-old brother. So, but when I had to keep this it up because I had like to a like, serial I had to, I had to like maintain my level of anger because I needed my kids to know that I was serious. You mm-hmm. can't push my little. Coco, who I love. Coco? That's what we call him, Coco. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, now you uh, know your kids will never go to someone else's house and push their, their friends. And I hope they don't push my child. And like, I hope this kid yeah. isn't, but me and this kid have kind of a love-hate thing anyway going on. So maybe he does hate me. I don't know. A little nervous. <laughs> um, <laughs> so know. one of the other things that I thought was great in the episode. Uh, is, it, is, is it Ken's mutton chops? Sure. Uh, that seems like something that Emmy really liked about the episode. I loved it. Yeah, I just wanted to chill. Oh my god! She, yeah, just, when she, she's even when playing Amy, with them when they're yeah. making out. It's oh my weird. god! When Amy says, "I just wanted to touch them and reach out," and, and grab Lindsay's them. like, "Yeah, yeah." Lindsay's reaction is kind of adorable to both Amy's crush on Ken <laughs> yes. and, Ken's, and crush. To Ken's crush. Oh my gosh! It's the best. When, I just yeah, want to giggle. investigate this response further. What, what's going on right now? Uh, if you've ever watched AMC's The Terror, there is a character named Mister Goodsir, and he has fantastic mutton chops. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you just you like the you like the mutton shots. I, 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 yes. Okay. Cool. I mean, Sean has a beard. He, Sean does have a beard. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. likes facial hair. I do. Uh, what I was going to say that I liked about the episode uh, is that they keep the Lindsay Nick relationship messy. Mm-hmm. That that it's not sort of over. It's a great part of the episode. You know, yeah. it, it's just it's it, it it's so good. You're it's totally really right. good because again, like. You know, listening to the commentary tracks, reading the articles, this, that, and what have you, it's clear that they wanted this relationship to be 
essentially antithetical to any relationship mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. You know, that these two people that get together because Lindsay's like, I guess so. And then she's like, but I don't, I don't think so anymore. But, I mean, and I felt so honest to high school relationships. Oh my God. Yeah. Where suddenly it was like, Oh yeah, there's a new kid. And I guess he's cute. And everyone was like, well, you're in love with him and you should go to prom with him. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. like, wait, but why? <laughs> I have yeah. not discussed my feelings with yes. myself. So I don't know. It's just, it, it, and it, it, it really kind of, leans into not just the awkwardness, which obviously the show does incredibly well, but just kind of the messiness of it. And that scene at the end in the laser dome where you've got this empty chair between them and Nick just being like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and her face recognizing that and, and there's a longing there if, if nothing else than because she knew how much he likes her and I, he loves her. I don't think she's longing at all. I mean, I don't think you're, I don't know if you're, no, no, no. Longing for the, Longing for the feelings of a person who really likes you, I think, is different than longing for that person. Do you know what I'm saying? Longing for the feelings of uh, no, longing so for wanting the feelings attention. that you get from someone liking so, you, as opposed to actually liking that person. All right, let's go from the beginning. <laughs> Nick is very easy to understand. He's yes. still in love with Lindsay, and yes. he wishes that they were making out. I don't necessarily know what Lindsay's going with what, what's going on in Lindsay's head. I think she I think she feels bad for him. And I think that's kind of the end of the beginning. Like I think she feels like I don't I don't know. Do you think she feels like this sucks too? I, I think, think it's definitely like she thinks it sucks, but I think it's more she is upset that she made him feel this way. Like I think there's like a sense of responsibility and that burden that she's carrying, mm-hmm. which it's not fair, but, um, but I think it's like something she's like, I'm going to suffer through this burden of being who I am and, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to reciprocate my feelings with this guy who's obviously in love with me. Um, and it's, it's sad. Yeah. I think there's also, you know, I think it's easy for us to say that it was all bad, right? It's easy for us to say that Lindsay hated every moment of the relationship with Nick, which I just don't think is true. And that there were a lot of things she liked about being in a relationship. The first kiss was good. Mm-hmm. Sure. His mustard uh, shirts or he, his drumming. Else. I don't know. I'm just, my point is that I don't imagine that she misses necessarily dating him, but I think that you can also be wistful about some of the things that existed within that relationship. I just don't think it's binary. So I appreciate the fact that Lindsay is just sort of chewing on this stuff, feeling as though she is somehow responsible for this, even though she's not, which is, as you said, mm-hmm. unfair for her to put herself through that. The coolest part about this episode mm-hmm. is that they don't kiss. Oh, yeah. for sure. It's the coolest thing. Totally. It's the easiest thing in the world to take this heightened moment for sure. and use that to get them back together. Now, I would say that- Everyone was, else is making out. Yeah. yeah. And there is a version where they kiss- and it's the obligation yeah. that she feels in the moment to make the to make the moment mm-hmm. less uncomfortable. I was almost expecting her to get up and move into the empty seat between them. Mm-hmm. Like there's a moment of yes. like, why not just close the gap? Like mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be this empty space between us. Yeah. And yet just allowing that tension to remain mm-hmm. physical and emotional is great. I even thought about to that point, I thought about her getting into the seat or maybe even like putting her head on his shoulder, like just something that didn't necessarily need to be romantic, but just like an acknowledgement of the fact that like, you know, that would have been bullshitty. Though. I that, agree. That yeah, would yeah, have yeah. been a bullshitty thing for her to do. <laughs> yes. the, they like took the, the bolder choice. She, that's the most emancipated move that she has made yes. this entire, that's it, that any female characters made this entire series because one of like the biggest things, I think my understanding of women that women have to deal with is this, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This like make this 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 like situation where they feel forced to make out or forced to be like intimate with somebody through like attrition and through like weird like like letting the awkwardness go away or or, or just so someone will shut up like yeah, yeah. and to actually kind of like stand her ground in this moment that no one would really like fault her for just yeah. making out with him just to make the moment less awkward because awkwardness sucks yeah. and they've already made out. But for her to stand her ground and say, I don't like you like, like that. that. And we're not doing this again, even like, even if you're the last man on earth, which is basically what she's saying, <laughs> uh, is so cool of her. Yeah, I agree. It's also, it's harder to make that choice. A million times. Than, than being mean. Like, I think yeah. even though she has difficulty being mean and being a bitch, she, um, being, uh, being cold to him in that way is a much harder choice for her to make for sure yeah. but it's the it's the it's the fairest move. yeah yeah Lindsay shows a spine in a, in, a, in a couple ways in this episode obviously there's that she also she throws some insults at ken early on in the episode they all kind of get on the like making fun of ken train mm-hmm. a little bit and finally uh, finally <laughs> seriously uh and amy obviously being who gets in some good barbs as well she's pretty cool too she's mm-hmm. pretty great uh what is something about how i think you ate them all <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, it's I, I appreciated that about Lindsay as well. Um, I really loved Neil asking Lindsay if she had seen ordinary people at dinner. Yeah, <laughs> like he's such an old person in a little person in like a young person's body. It's yeah. just fantastic. I, he really is just absurd. Um, but even the moment when Lindsay and Kim are at the table with Ken, yes, and it's just this look that they give to and Ken. Ken's like, I'll um, go to the bathroom. Yeah, I guess I'll go pee now. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is the first showcase of Seth Rogen. He is was, fantastic. He's great. Like it's, it's almost immediate that you're like, oh, this guy is just. There is something about him. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the romantic comedy that he was in earlier this year with Charlize. I oh, either. I love Longshot. I was right? Yeah. Gonna make a joke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Longshot's my favorite. I loved it. I know you do. I haven't seen it yet, but, but I, I know I, how much you love it. I was I gonna say Phil hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> no, I know you're not. I know, I know. It's well, it's been well regarded. It's a good movie, guys. Is it going to make your everyone should watch Longshot? Top hundred percent. Twenty of the no of the decade of the decade. No, no. Of, the top year? 10 of the year. Top ten of the year for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Mine are all animated films. It's all I've seen. <laughs> Veggie Tales one. Veggie Tales two. Veggie Tales three D. Another thing that I really loved is the look of just love on Neil's face when Lindsay jams the two meatballs in her mouth so oh she can God. take off from the table. He's just like, you're the fucking coolest. She is the coolest. <laughs> she is, but it's just like, he's just so head over And poor Sam trying to do the same thing right yeah. afterwards. Yeah. He can't do it. He can't do it. He's too small. small. And also his dad calls him out and says, no. He's just a cute little baby. He's so tiny. He's just grinning, so... Oh my god! Yeah, you missed those episodes of me. He called he called Sam an incel on several occasions. He is an incel, but it's all right. I I mean, not inaccurate. Thank you. Again, I'm not saying that Kenny's wrong. (laughs) I'm just saying Kenny did that. But I I mean, I don't mean it in like an insulting way. I mean, (laughs) no, no, I I, no, I I, let me rephrase that. I don't mean that in a literal way, which Mm -hmm. obviously is. Mm -hmm. I mean that in an insulting way. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, like you know, there's nothing wrong with being involuntary, involuntarily celibate. That's just you know, that's that's a, a state of being for a lot of people. Um, but he thinks that women, he thinks that one particular woman is his God-given right. Cindy, yeah, that's the woman. Cindy, yeah, that's that's the one. Um, but back to Ken's beautiful. Back to Ken's crush. beautiful. I, 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 yes, yes. It's, uh, it's also is, like Ken uh, is awesome. Having rewatched it now, as uh, you know, a couple years after my last rewatch, uh, it, it it's interesting that they allow the men to be this vulnerable mm-hmm. on a show. You know, from 1999, written by a lot of men. Um, it's just a very soft, vulnerable side of Seth Rogen and that character that I uh-huh. don't think you get to see even in shows today. I we've talked about this um I mean I've 
brought it up a fair amount, but um, yeah, there, there is a, a vulnerability that they're allowed to have. There's a softness that they're allowed to have um, that is, yeah, shockingly kind of, you know, transgressive for <laughs> television at the time. Um, but I agree for today too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a really, yeah. I, I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, you have a, a staff of male writers that are sort of looking inside themselves or at least inside the younger versions of mm-hmm. themselves and trying to sort of mine that for all that it's worth. And, and uh, I think they do a tremendous job. I think that, you know, Ken's character up until this point is really just a smart ass yeah. who just kind of is in the background and, and, and just says like, you know, shitty things to people, makes them feel bad about themselves. <laughs> um, although I think a couple of weeks ago we had the episode where uh, Ken's future plans are pretty solid. I thought yeah, he's not a dope. He's not a dope where he's like, I'm waiting for my dad to die. Then I'm going to sell the store and move to Hawaii. Yeah. It's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that Ken becomes a full fledged character really in this episode Me up too. until this point, mm-hmm. he really doesn't. Um, you know, Seth Rogen does a great job of of showing a guy who's insecure and scared to even suggest that he likes a girl, really. That scene outside the, the band class when he's looking in the window and a then little Daniel, creepy. It's a little creepy. <laughs> totally. Uh-huh. Uh Daniel calls him out on it, but also he's just unsure about these waters entirely, like yeah. how to even sort of navigate them at all. I love the difference too between he plays in a band and she plays in the band. The band. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I as mean, a former clarinet player, oh, yeah? I understand. <laughs> there it's is different. It is. There is a it difference. Is. Until you get old <laughs> enough where they're like, well, we want to play Mighty Buddy Boston, so we're going to need <laughs> someone from the band. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A saxophonist. It was yeah. never me. No. Well, clarinet doesn't translate to a lot of songs right. that well. No. Kenny um, G made it work. That's can I just say clarinet the best clarinet, clarinet joke that's ever been? Mm-hmm. What's that? <laughs> Is it Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he starts playing it terribly and he just says, "Never had one lesson." Yeah, yeah that's, good. that's good. That's good. That's good joke. That is. That is. Um, all right, so Ken. <laughs> uh, this is what I like about Ken. He's it's just a, like Kenny. <laughs> just like me. Mm-hmm. this is a different kind of first love story. The typical first love story is this Sam insult thing where some, the, the one told in, in pop culture where some nerd pines after some cheerleader and pines and pines and, and bugs and bugs and, you know, deus ex machina is his way into her heart. Um, and that's pretty much it, right? That's yeah, pretty no, much that's story, right. That's yeah. pretty much a story you've been told over and over it's like again. like every 80s teen comedy. Yeah. But the real story is a lot closer to Ken's, which is basically like, you know, awkward guy decides to kind of find it within himself to admit that he has a a crush on a girl the girl is not like some weirdly prude uh asexual being mm-hmm. who's like no 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 i could never i could never one 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 no i mean amy was down with this too in that like she's willing to see where this will go right she's willing to see what's up and then they kiss the first night yeah. That is very reminiscent of my first kiss where I was just this like kind of like I was a lot like Ken. All Ken's are the same. <laughs> I was like overweight, never kissed a girl. Um, was at camp uh, where all first kisses happen. Just kind of declared I was into some girl, got back to her. Do you want to go to the movies together? We did. And we kissed there. And that was just how it happened. It wasn't like six months of writing love letters or like, you know, stalking or whatever it is these weirdo incels do. Oh my God. So, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I, 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 I totally like, agree. It's never James Franco's version yeah. where he just, you know, takes whoever he wants and he's already a Casanova at 16. And, and is it the suggestion that this is Ken's first kiss? It feels like it. Uh, right? Just like his, his, his asking he's had, of advice. I think he's had a girlfriend before. I think Daniel made reference to someone before. Okay. But it Daniel is like, like giving it's him. his first kiss. He's acting yeah. like someone who, it's, he's acting it's like someone. Yeah. His second that working yeah. on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like he's working on how to court, you know? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the moment of asking Daniel for advice is also hilarious because truly both Lindsay and Ken are going to the worst possible people to get advice on dating. Yeah. Lindsay going to Kim and uh, Ken. Well, the, the, their yeah. advice is, yeah, just treat them like <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> both sides. Yeah. Just like shit. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that 
the the sort of the key to it, and it's a little bit I don't want to say trope because it's not really a trope, but Amy being into him makes the whole thing palatable mm-hmm. to a certain degree, right? I mean, I think that her she sort of enough. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was really. Um, I don't know, just really charming. It's just cool. Like, I can't really get over, like, I can't really overstate how cool it is that on TV, a guy asks a girl out and the girl just says yes. Well, to be fair, Lindsay had to. Of course, there was was an intermediary, of course. Like, this is still high school. It's still high school. But the guy asked the girl out and the girl said yes. And it wasn't the guy asking over and over and over and the girl getting worn down and worn down and worn down. It wasn't this. You know, like weird Nick Lindsay thing where like there's some other like guilty shit going on there. It was just straight up how it normally happens. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what's great about this show. Yeah, is that it doesn't, you know, that's why, you know, in in earlier episode, um, uh, which we, you know, we're recording these a little bit out of order, Mm -hmm. but some of these episodes have felt a little bit... Um, like there's some network nodey stuff kind of going on a little bit where you've got a little bit of sort of plot mechanics that don't feel necessarily organic to the show. Um, what's great about this episode is that uh, the network had given up. <laughs> Probably. It kind of to feels be fair, like that. So. Yeah. Um, but also, but also, I mean, the most sort of plotty part of it is, is obviously um, Neil's dad cheating. Right. And then yeah. you have him with the, with the, uh, garage door opener. Um, but again, like that doesn't, you know, doesn't really require that much. Um, I guess I just really thought, um, I don't know. I, I, (laughs) there's, there's, the show is really subtle and it's really nuanced and that's obviously what makes it brilliant. Mm -hmm. But this episode felt like it found the balance of the funny and the nuance. They don't always find that balance. You know, we talked about uh, We've Got Spirit a couple weeks ago. Yeah, not the best up. Not the best episode because, you know, the the, the Viking mascot is very broad, right? Mm-hmm. And I still I still like the Viking mascot. I understand that Kenny doesn't. Well, I think it's <laughs> hilarious. It's just not the, – the, the, the head yeah. is amazing. It's just not the- <laughs> It's just not the – it's not the best story. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, you know, the geek stories – can be very hit or miss, but, um, yes, the freaks is, ones yeah. tend to be a little bit more generally yeah. better, but, um, this one has a great geek story and a great freak story. Yeah, it, it just, it works on both sides. It also just, you know, it, it's, and I mean, okay. So Bill has a great line, which I love. Um, remember that time in science class when I tried to sneak out a fart, but it came out poop and then I had oh. to flush my undies down the toilet. <laughs> Do you think I wanted to tell you guys that? <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad that he did. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Bill's the best. I mean, he's He's just the best. And you know what? Like another show would have urkalized him and just never. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Never. They're like, oh, we got comic gold here. Let's never give him any kind of (laughs) death. But I mean, I feel like one of the most biting remarks of the whole episode is when uh, Neil lashes back at Bill. You don't even have a dad. Oh yeah, it's it's such a small it's moment. Brutal. And it's brutal. You spoke to him three months yeah. ago. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, it's oh fucking. But they, they they've now now they're doing a really good job at planting. Yep. Like they planted this Doctor Schreiber stuff in episode ten. 10. Yep. They're planting Neil's mom in ten. They're planting it again here. I mean, no, I mean uh, Bill's mom and Ten, they're planting it again here. Like They're planting the coach and Bill stuff. That's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're planting this stuff yeah. uh, in a really, really nice, nuanced way. You Things that, again, TV wasn't doing at the I time. Know. So it, re- it rewards like eagle-eyed viewers. I mean, you it's know, also just, Star it's, Trek always does. It's really the, the discipline. Battlestar. The, 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 <laughs> the most disappointing stuff. part of what you're talking about is it does feel like the show is really finally getting itself. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, we're at episode 12, right? I would argue that there's great episodes before this, but you're really starting to sense a show that understands is really kind of what the powers that it has. And this is right when yeah. we give up on it. It's just really. I love 11. I love 12. Yeah. I know the next episode too is great. Yeah. So. And it's tough. I mean, this could never have been episode two or three of the show. No, because you it's, needed the it's, year. Yeah. yeah. You need that you serialized need relationship yeah. stories. It's, yeah, it's, Imagine yeah. Parks and Rec ended after 18 episodes. Yeah. You know, like yeah. people would have been like, are right, the first nine are trash. Yeah. And then they like kind of found their footing. Yeah. And then it went off the air. And now like, it's kind of a, it, it, this is assuming it ends after 18 episodes. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of this hidden gem type thing, right? right? This could have been Parks and Rec. We could have had yeah. 
six seasons of yeah. this level of television. Yep. So it's you know I, we've said this before, uh, but I'll say it again. It's a wonder we got eighteen episodes of this television yeah. show. I when we had Alan Sapin Wall on for the pilot, we both of us were just like, why did NBC make this? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and Alan Sapin Wall essentially was like, because there was kind of a happy ending and we thought we were going to get one of those every week. Yeah. Like that, that was what NBC Did thought. Did NBC not go to high school? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But true. I like just, yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining a high school where all the networks go. <laughs> yeah. Little they ones. Like, yeah. They were like, NBC click with CBS and ABC. Fox was kind of the bad kid. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the executives yeah. only kind of watch Rashomon. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I thought that, the reveal of the two garage door openers was an interesting reveal just in the fact that you kind of had to, it was a little bit of a thinker. Mm-hmm. Like you were just sort of like, but okay. Um, and then obviously, why, why was it a thinker? Well, I just mean in the sense that I was like, well, it could have, you're a little of a thinker. I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I just mean in the sense that obviously you had to say to yourself, why does he have two of these? Mm. I get that part of it. But also in my head, I was like, it's also possible that like one of them doesn't work. And there's a new garage door opener in his car. Yeah. As someone who never had a garage door <laughs> growing up, it's one can we list things. the things Emmy didn't have <laughs> growing up? But you knew that what was happening, right? I mean, familiar, but so at the end, you were really surprised by what it did. I was like, oh, it opens. <laughs> was it? I was like, does this turn on a light? That's what does this turn on the space pod? I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But I. I, uh, no, I, I knew what a garage door was. <laughs> to be clear, my grandmother had one. I don't remember what I thought the first time I saw it, but I just, I, I mean, couldn't even, a, like, now it's just, it was obvious. To, I didn't even think twice. Yeah, I mean, but. sure. I'm just, I, I don't know. My, the other thing that hit me too is how much of a midlife crisis car that is. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the vanity plate alone. What is it? I, I flossum. I flossum? Well, it's good. Flossing wasn't that big in the end. Flossing's so, like a, it's, it's, it's good. Everyone should floss. Yeah. Uh, uh he, I, he's yeah. a midlife crisis of a human. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, even with the cheating, I don't like totally hate him. There is that moment when the mom, yeah, when the mom comes back and you know, she's like, Oh, I've had such a day. Are we doing pizza or Chinese? And you're like, Oh, this is just a, a normal relationship with some, some sad stuff going on. You know, they have a very interesting, very well cast. The actress who plays the, the mom, um, was on ER. She played Dr. Coburn. Cool. Um, cool. Just, you know, a callback to people who listened to our ER episode with Brian Cogman a couple weeks ago. Cool. Uh, maybe they did. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but I think she's great to your point because she, first of all, doesn't have a lot of lines, mm-hmm. right? But the casting of it and the way she presents herself you don't feel sorry for her. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. I mean, in the sense that she, you can make that face all you want. She feels, (laughs) she feels bold. She feels like an independent person. She Mm. feels like someone that doesn't feel like they've been walked all over in their relationship. That's what I mean. Not that I don't feel sorry for her, that her husband cheated on her. If it was a Mrs. Weir, if it was that actress instead, oh my God, I would be crying the entire time. Right. Yes. I agree with what you're saying. Yes. Anyway, um, Jesus Christ. No, I mean, like, I don't know. I think, again, I I obviously feel bad that she's in this relationship with someone or doesn't know about what her husband is up to. I'm speaking more to the fact that she doesn't know. Well, that's, I mean, you raise an interesting question about why she's in the tennis outfit that late at night. And there's, there's questions to be asked there. But that also sort of feeds into what I'm getting at, which is it wouldn't surprise me if she was also Hmm. having an affair as well. We don't know. We all we know is that she's being cheated on. Cheated on. I don't like that. To me, it, to me, it's a little immaterial. Like whether or not you feel bad. Mm. I, I feel bad for. I feel bad, bad for Neil. Neil. Of course, that's yeah. his hero. Yeah. So like, I feel bad for Neil. Of course, and I feel bad for Sam. I feel bad for you know. I feel bad for Neil and Sam and Bill to some extent. Like I feel bad that like someone that they all cared about and they thought was like a representative of yeah. good adult men sure. is no longer that. Yeah. And they have to go to the next guy on the list who's Mr. Weir. He's, like, <laughs> he's all right. But like, you know, he's, he's Mr. Weir. He thinks everyone's going to die of pot or whatever. <laughs> he does. So, yeah. I think, I think it's also, I mean, this also kind of taps into a little bit of what I was saying in terms of the casting of, of Mrs. Schreiber, but all of the adults in this universe are all sort of very interesting kind of, paternal characters. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mr. Rosso is such a great character and, and uh, coach Fredericks, like these are all people that 
made me think about when I was a kid and you were surrounded by all these adults, be it the teachers or parents of friends, which are basically the only adults that you're mm-hmm. exposed to are those kind of two different types. And it's just, it's just interesting to sort of how you kind of project what a father figure is and what a mother figure is and, and how different all of these people are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being, you know, you were telling the story about getting yelled at by a friend's father yeah, or whatever, but like, yeah. I remember going to friends' houses and being like, your parents are so much better than my parents, oh, no. but that's not true. It's just, they're right. different and they just, they're, you know, they're more fun to be around because they're not your fucking parents. And yeah. you obviously have issues with your own parents because of, as Kenny said so eloquently, we have a thing, you know, you have a thing with your parents. Yes. Um, so when, when a friend's parent yells at you, it has so much more power, uh, so much more power to it, but it's very well done. Um, I, I think the other thing that I kind of like that there, and I don't know if it's intentional, but there feels like there's a marathon man quality to the dentist. Scene. <laughs> oh, it's definitely intentional, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> at this point in pop culture, both in 99, obviously more so in 1980, but even in 99, like there still was this idea in pop, in like, in pop culture and culture that if you went to the dentist, like, you could be tortured. <laughs> what about, because they do have. A little shop of horrors. Yes, well, yes, that's what I was saying. Uh, the Steve Martin poster yeah. that is, uh, yeah. earlier in the episode, I feel like that's what they're kind of hitting at yeah. more so of like, this is our audience. Orange like, Cravello. Yeah, they're all about, you know, the little shop of horrors yes. dentist yeah. chair. They were it's, right. If yeah. they're talking about me, they were right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I am all about that. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot going on in this episode. This is one that feels like it's really firing on all cylinders. Yes. It's an excellent episode. It's, it's, is it your favorite? Is it thus far? Thus far. It might, it might be. I'm trying to kind of comb through them again in my head. We should do a top five at the end of the, of the whole run or oh, top three or whatever. I'll, I'll, rank, I'll rank all 18. It's probably yeah. not a fave because of the lack of Mr. Russo. <laughs> Mr. Russo's the Mr. best. Rosso. Yeah, Mr. Rosso. Rosso. Oh yeah. my God! You, see, see, I haven't did, seen it in so long. Do, I have you, forgotten his name. <laughs> you didn't do a. You didn't do a. I didn't do a full rewatch. Just, I just yeah, uh, yeah. Sean brought over the DVDs, and so we just watched the one episode. So it's uh probably my favorite up to. It's definitely. I mean, I would. I certainly would say it's top three. Um, you know, I, I think the pilot's great. Um, I, I really love uh some of the some of the early episodes. Really, kind of worked for me. I think the um, Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, the that's, one that always the Halloween one is great. Fourth, that's a fifth, I think. Third. No, it's a third. That's a third. Before Kim yeah. Kelly. Yes. Bill's costume. Kim Kelly. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, listen, there's a lot of great episodes, but mm-hmm. I think that, um, it does come I, out of the gate pretty, it comes sad. out really strong it and then it, it, it hammocks a little bit. And we've done a couple in a row where I found myself just being like, this is good. This is still better than like most things that are on broadcast. Eight, nine, TV. 10 are not awesome. Yeah. I wonder when awesome. NBC made, the choice like if you <laughs> could put a bullet in it yeah no I no mean, no but like uh truly like when yeah. was what episode what script you know what moment was it for nbc when they were like this is not coming back for a second season i mean i think that feig and apatow certainly have their their notions as to when they mm-hmm. felt like they gave up on it i mean it, it it gets pulled off the air right and then it gets put back on the air different night in a different night it, it, it's yeah i you, you have to wonder whether or not it probably had two or three weeks in the new night when mm-hmm. they were like this isn't performing. It's probably, yeah, it's two or three yeah. weeks. It's I, My guess is it's probably, this is why I think that there's a string in there, and you mentioned it, like uh, 8, 9, 10, where it just feels noty. It just feels like they're trying to appease the network. They're trying to do something. They're trying to make this the show that NBC, a little bit more of the show that NBC wants. I'm sure they fell into a bit of a, a trap where NBC said, you're neither fish nor fowl. You're neither comedy nor drama. Pick a lane, yeah. right? And in 8, 9, 10, it feels like they kind of picked the comedy lane. I agree. Yeah. And that lane is not like the best lane. Like, yeah. you can find a lot of comedy in the drama, as the show does, over and over. But, like, going kind of full bore into the comedy, uh, hard hard pass. I would, I would actually say – I 9 is Girlfriends and Boyfriends, which I do think is a great episode. Um you know, we had Emily Vanderwerf on for that one, and uh, and and it, that that the him singing to her, like all that stuff is the virginity stuff. Yeah. All that stuff's pr- pretty solid. It's we've got Spirit in the Diary back to back. It's yeah. it's it's nine and ten that just those feel, are the two I think are the weakest of the, yeah. of the but yeah, yeah. Th- thus far for me anyway. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that just feel like there's just weird like plot mechanics going on that I'm just like, what are we doing here? Also, the geeks plots are so. 
boring and not and you know what they are they're really fucking rote yes well one of them is the mascot storyline which mm-hmm. is not necessarily it's just executed a little bit you know broadly and then in the diary it's it's the baseball game and which is just feels oh. like we've seen that eight million times anybody before. do that i mean yeah. the prank the prank calls are good but yeah. the prank calls I, are I, I get it geeks get picked last i so i i haven't rewatched a ton of 1999 tv shows oh, yeah, yeah. uh so i'm wondering with the act breaks because like coming yeah. in tv you know so much of writing a TV show is working towards those act breaks and making yeah, yeah. sure that people come back after the commercial. The act breaks in this episode are bizarre. They are so muted and so quiet. They are in the the one case, it's the, you know, they cut the the dentist scene in half basically where it's the start of it. And then it's the, yep. the B side of it. And part of me is, you know, if I was an NBC executive kind of like, what are you doing? Cause people are going to turn this off. Well, I would argue that we've talked about this a little bit on this show, but like their act outs are always like, not really an act out. Like it's is so that a hard to get thing or specific. No, because okay. we talked, we talked ER a couple weeks ago. And I mean, that thing knows how to do an act out. Yeah. I, I watched on daily motion fucks it all up. <laughs> it still fades to black though. Right. It's sort uh, of, they've well, got what well, they have ads. They have their motion. own ads. Oh. So like, it's hard to even like remember. Then they don't do the ads and the act breaks. Yeah. So they just do it every like it's 15 minutes or something. So it's just, you'll, I'll just, it'll cut in the middle of the scene every time. So. <laughs> It's not great. It's not a great. Not the best. And I own the DVDs, and it's like. But you're making this choice to rewatch it. Well, I got to like watch it work, so I'm like okay. watching. You know, yeah, I get, I get it. Yes, I'm making a bad choice. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a really great episode. It is. Um, we want to have you back. You're going to yeah, come back for I a movie, right? Back, back for, a, back movie. for a movie. Yeah, maybe I've, a movie about some <laughs> space stuff. Maybe a movie about space stuff. Uh, Astronaut's wife. Or yeah, is that, <laughs> you know what? I actually have never seen that. I'm weirdly excited for Astronaut's I've Wife. I've never seen it either. That's I don't know anything uh, about it. What's I just, his name? Uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. I was going to say Johnny Lee Depp. Charlie's Theron. Okay. Okay. Uh, he goes to space, comes back, impregnates her with an alien. And he's a zombie? Or he's no, an alien? He's a, he's, a, he's an alien. He's been sort of impregnated by an alien. Are you down to do this? Pass on this well, one. <laughs> <laughs> what were you what thinking? Were you I don't know what movie you're referring to. The one we talked about before. Did we talk about a movie before? You can say it on here. Trekkies. Oh, Trekkies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trekkies. Yeah, yeah. See you there, Trekkies. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I was like, what's happening right Trekkies, now? it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I just said <laughs> Trekkies. She's like, we talked about this. But yeah, yeah no, I'm sorry. Conversation. My apologies. Yes. I'm just looking back for Trekkies. What's great. wrong with us? I don't know. Dude, it's been a long, I don't know, a long day. That's, that was yeah. bizarre. I'd also, I, I would like to get it on the record oh. that you invited me to come talk about the 13th we Warrior. Did. And we Oh, what movie were you talking about? The movie we had spent five minutes talking about the podcast. Trekkies. Well, Thirteenth Warrior. I, I, yeah, do you want Trekkies? Trekkies. You don't want Thirteenth Warrior, do you? I mean, Trekkies is, so much more is one of the best movies ever. So <laughs> I've never seen. You say it's Warrior. one of the most movies. It's one of the best movies. Oh so. fuck! I love most movies. <laughs> That's Kenny's <laughs> review of Aquaman. It's, it might not be uh, the best movie, but it's but the, it's most, the movie. most movie. Yeah. It's definitely it a lot of movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll come up for Trekkies. It'll be great. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. What Thank you so much for. What are you on Twitter? Yeah, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm very private on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. She's locked and shit. It's like I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to say anything? Do you want to promote anything? Sign up for her. her no, uh, new season of She-Ra and the Princesses. Oh of Power, yeah, which She-Ra and She-Ra. Are you ready on that? Yeah, I wrote three episodes of That's, the fourth season, which have, dropped have, on Netflix. You have a cool job. Thank you. You ran on cool shit. Thank and you then, uh, so much for being decks, on here. Uh, sometime next fall. Someday. All right. Someday yeah, soon. Someday. Well, I am a subscriber to CBS All Access. So I'll watch. I'm not. Yeah, I subscribe to everything. Sir, the good fight is on it. So, yeah, I know. Did you watch All the Good Wife? Yeah, and yeah, the good fight. I hear it's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's I hear it's great too. I don't know, guys. There's I mean, only so much time. I'm just waiting for the strike. Come out I'm going to just, just, I'm just stop I'm putting just that out into the world. I'm just going to devour content during the strike. Anyway. See you later. Bye, Bye. guys. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.